we all think that it looks like an, uh, somebody coming and pulling up in the alleyway and kidnapping you and you driving off in a white van and you never see your family again where in reality it's the people that you consider family or close friends I'm Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, founder of Grapevine Health and your host of the Grapevine Health Podcast, a podcast highlighting stories, health insights, and experiences of community members. We started this podcast because too often discussions and decision-making about health and the healthcare system don't include perspectives from the people we serve. So listeners, if you have a personal story or an experience from working in the community or on the front lines of healthcare, contact us and we might have you on the show. Today, I had a fascinating and insightful conversation with Charlene Robertson, who talked to me about her experiences as a victim of sex trafficking. So why don't you introduce yourself? Well, um, my name is Charlene Robertson. I go by Sprout. I um, was born into a very traumatic lifestyle from you know, I've experienced trauma in the womb um, and it kind of led me into a lifestyle of more traumatic events. Um, I kind of went through a lot of things already, but I think it really got bad when I found myself in the middle of a sex trafficking rink and um, in the in the process, in the midst of me being in that sex trafficking rink at the time, I really didn't know what was going on. But when I got out of it, I was able to look back and realize and understand what it was that I had been through. And it traumatized me to a point where um, I don't think I got to talk about this before, but it actually traumatized me to a point that I actually um, I, I don't even want to say black out because I was still like living my life and being active, but I had no control over anything. It's kind of like I lost my memory. One day I woke up and um, I was in a mental home. Um, I ended up in the mental home just due to all the trauma. My mind kind of just to protect me, just kind of just shut down. So I was in a mobile state of living, but I really have no recollection recollection of what happened. But I ended up finding myself in a sex trafficking ring. And um, upon trying to escape, I ended up, people ended up trying to kill me. And it just traumatized me to a point where when I got out and I actually started getting the proper help that I needed, I decided that what I wanted to do was get learn as much information as I can from the, the victim's point of view, as well as te- being able to teach the predator's point of view so that people can start looking and being mindful of what it looks like to actually be in a sex trafficking ring. Because we all think that it looks like an, uh, somebody coming and pulling up in the alleyway and kidnapping you and you driving off in a white van and you never see your family again, where in reality, it's the people that you consider family or close friends. Like I know the people that were involved in it on my end, I had known these people for two, three years. And I thought these were, you know, the people I was going to become successful with and grow and grow old with, and we we're going to get houses next door to each other. And um, in the process of it, they were trying to groom me. It didn't really go well for them just due to the fact that I was already suffering with a mental illness. I suffered with dissociative identity disorder. What if, is you that? Don't know, if you don't know what that is, that's multiple personality disorder. So, um, like I already was dealing with a lot already. So it, it just kind of all just kind of meshed together. So by the time I realized it, it was by the time I realized it, what, like everything that was going on, 
I was already a mess. And so now I just live to help individuals get through their trauma and how to live like healthy lives afterwards because um, it's a lot to get through. It's a lot to handle. It's a lot to accept. There's still, it's been two years since I've gotten out of it. My friend just asked me yesterday, she said, how long did it take for you to get back into your old skin or get in conf- be confident in your skin? And I told her it's something that I, I'm still working on. I think it's something that I'll always be working on. So I just help other individuals really get to a place where they can at least confidently tell their story about, yeah, this is what happened to me. That's amazing. So how old were you when this started? Um, I, I think I was like maybe 22, about to turn 23 when it all started. It got really bad and aggressive when I, t- uh, I when I was 24. So like toward the end of me getting out, it got worse. And I think that's because like I wasn't like the other victims, like the other vic- the other victims were more so willing to submit. They didn't want to argue. They didn't want to fight. They you know, it was. They even it was like they were against me for being defiant toward the individuals that were actually running it. So the more that I began to resist um, everything that they were trying to put me into, the more I started realizing that something wasn't right with what was going on. So I would say like it started around like two years, but the breakdown process, I was like maybe like 21, 22. It was one New Year's. Um, I didn't know at the time how the grooming process went. So I didn't know that it's multiple people that are involved and they assault you at, like and get other people involved. But um, I was at a bar and I was hanging out with some people and it was some girls. And they were like, oh, you're, you know, like pretty much complimenting me. Oh, you're really pretty. You're really beautiful. You know, like all, just, you know, hyping me up, like complimenting me, over complimenting me. And then um, I was already kind of intoxicated, but I remember hearing one of them say, yeah, she's going to be perfect. We just got to spruce her up here and there. Like we got to do a little work on her here and there, but I didn't think anything of it. Like I was young and naive. And so um, from there, like after that, I left from hanging out with them that same night and went to a party where they had another mutual friend that um, him and a uh, I think it was like maybe like eight or nine other men actually assaulted me, but I had drugs in my system. They drugged me with something. So like I was coming to and fro. So I'd be asleep one minute. And then when I wake up, like it'd be multiple men or like over me, overshadowing me. Some of them had their pants down. And so like, I still don't really have my full memory back of that night, but I know like that was a specific night. That was New Year's going into January 2018. That was the start of the breakdown, the downward spiral and everything and them trying to groom me. You mentioned earlier you were a victim, but you didn't know it. How did you come to realize you were in a sex trafficking ring? What what did you notice? What can other people notice? People who may be in a similar situation and may not recognize it, or healthcare providers like me who come in contact uh, with folks, like what should we be looking for? <laughs> this That's a deep question because there's so many different ways you can even go about confronting it. I know for me, I had previously taken a predator class with one of my old therapists. They teach you about psychopaths, sociopaths, and narcissists. So in me taking that seminar, I was able to already identify certain traits and qualities and individuals that are red flags. But I think a big issue for me was with me having a mental illness, because at the time I had a mental illness, but I had not yet been diagnosed. And I was still in denial about the fact that I had one. And so I would switch personalities. And in me doing that, like 
like the same way I'm talking to you right now, I could be talking to you one minute and then I'll come back to maybe 30 minutes later and we'll still be having a full blown conversation, but I have no recollection of what we were discussing, like whatever, you know? And so I feel like, um, individual like if you suffer with mental illness if you're overwhelmed already dealing with depression anxiety all those other things they kind of prey on your vulnerabilities and if most of the people in that town they knew one thing if they didn't know anything they knew one thing i didn't do well in stress so if anybody yelled i turned into a 14 year old child like afraid worried scared like scared like so it was easy to get to control me manipulate me um they also I also like started paying attention to the patterns of things that I have been dealing with since I was a child and how, oh, this is a person that has done, I've seen these behaviors before. I've seen these behaviors before. So it was, it was like human behavior patterns, understanding like this isn't good. This isn't okay. Um, people that they kind of like try and pressure you into a fast lifestyle. So it's really just understanding like when you start feeling like that feeling of I don't want to do this, but for some reason, I feel like I have to do this in order to fit in or make somebody love me or make someone care about me. Because it wasn't just like one specific person. It's a group of people collectively that work together to try to nudge you into this lifestyle and groom you into this lifestyle. They start cutting you out away from your family. They start um, like for they they try to um, what's it called? Blackmail you. They have so many videos of me and so much stuff of me, like with cocaine out in videos and, you know, me drinking or drunk and like just speaking belligerently. They have videos of me being recorded, um, being arrested. So many things that they try to use as leverage to get me to willingly start selling my body and I just wasn't folding um, another thing you can look for as far as the healthcare providers we don't talk much like being victims we don't talk much but I, I don't know like the best way I can say it is you just gotta pay attention like we're sad we're very sad we're very confused um I know for me, I was in the hospital a lot around that time. I was in and out. I was in, going into mental wards. I was going into the regular hospital. I remember one incident, they drugged me. I don't know if you can see it, but they drugged me and I blacked out. And one of them actually like slammed my head into a sink. And I, st I had no memory. I woke up in the hospital with six stitches in my head. And mm. at that time, the, doc the doctors and the nurses were like, are you okay? Are you in a safe environment? Do you need help with anything? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Because I was just so out of it. I didn't even, I had no, I knew I was drinking excessively, but I had myself had no recollection recollection of what actually happened to me. So I want to say as far as just healthcare providers, if you have a feeling or you have a, an idea, start asking specific questions. Are you being forced to do things against your do sexual things against your will do, are you comfortable in having sex with the people that you're having sex with like ask most of the time ask the how are you with someone that you know you probably shouldn't be dating a lot of the times we hide it i hid the person that actually got me into it i trusted him like we were i was involved with him for about eight months before things started getting really really hectic and he was a big secret and nobody knew about him and you wouldn't have known that I was involved with anyone. So you really have to ask questions and pay attention to what we don't answer when we answer those questions, because a lot of the time is not what we're talking about is what we are afraid to really get out there and say to you guys, because we don't want you guys to find out that we're involved with someone that we shouldn't be involved with. Um, 
is any is has anyone ever like has anyone ever asked about the idea of you selling your body for money like different things like that are you hanging out in groups or crowds mm-hmm. that in, in, influ- influence bad behavior when's the last time you've actually been sober because they keep you drugged up i know for me i found i had crack in my system but i can honestly genuinely say i've never intentionally willingly said let me do some crack i know for a fact i have not so like what's in the blood system like i'm i'm i was like 125 pounds at the time um so really just isolating getting them out by themselves um enough time for them to actually be able to feel safe or secure so that you can talk to them because most of the time it took me actually getting out of the situation to realize i was in a bad situation and i was in a hospital in a whole different state and they said have you ever been a victim of sex trafficking and in that moment I still was like, no, no. But as they started asking the questions, like I just felt my stomach drop, my chest started beating fast. And I started realizing that a lot of the characteristics and the similarities and the actions and the behavior that I was experiencing was everything that they were asking me. And so I was just sitting there like, oh my God. Like I was being, you know, like I was in the process of being groomed to be sex trafficked. It was very, it's so many, I can't, like, I wish I had, like, I'm, I'm in the process right now of making a list of all the ways you can pay attention because there's, it's just so many things, but I will say it, they, mo- they mainly prey on individuals who already deal with being alone. Like for me, I was already dealing with a mental illness. So I was already distant from my family. I already didn't trust people. I was already in domestic relationship after domestic relationship. So my mind was already in an altering place. One minute, you know, things would be good. And the next minute, like it, everybody be yelling at me. I actually started paying attention to the fact that they were posting me. Like Snapchat, you can make private stories. And on these private stories, when you make these private stories, only certain people can see them. I was in, the story that people were posting me in was getting 200, 300, 500, 6,000 views at a time. And I'm like, who are all like, and I didn't know that I was being posted on the story because I wasn't in it. It was me going on the girl that I thought was my, was my friend's phone and seeing that they were posting like every single last thing about my life, like every who I was hanging out with, when I, when I was where I was, I was being watched full, like the whole entire time. I didn't know how deep it was. I didn't know how many people were involved because it's not just street people, it's politicians, it's lawyers, it's cops. It's, you know, like it's, you don't, there's not, when you're in a sex trafficking ring, there's not someone you can run to and be like this. You can't go to the cops and be like, this is what's happening to me. Cause you, you the cops can get away with killing you. You will disappear and that's that. So like there's, you have to be, they have to be able to trust you hundred percent. Don't ask them names right off the bat. They're not going to answer. Don't ask them, um, you know, are you like, you, you have to literally find a reason. If you really suspect that someone is a victim of sex trafficking, you have to find a way to get them to trust you. But you like, cause most of the time you're, you, you, they, you, you find them in the emergency room or they, you know, they're in a clinic getting checked or, um, there's somewhere like, you know, that I'm here because my boyfriend gave me chlamydia for the sixth time or whatever the case may be. They're not there because they are victims of sex trafficking. So as like, and then like, as far as the nurses coming in and out of the room, oh, I just want to get your blood. I just want to do that. Actually have somebody come in there and sit with them because well, I, I know when I was in and out the hospital, I would talk to myself. Like, I'd be like, something's wrong. Like I couldn't 
figure out. So I was like, something is wrong. Like, what is wrong? What am I doing wrong? What am I not seeing? Why are they asking me these questions? Because it's like, it's not like you can't see it. It's what can you do to get that person to understand they are safe enough to communicate to you that they aren't, they are in danger. You said we have to get you and others to trust us. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? How do I get you to trust me? Especially if the first time I meet you is in the emergency department or in a situation in which I've never met you before. What do I need to do? And how do um, you decide if you can trust me? I know for me personally, I didn't have no, I don't have, I didn't have a place to live. So I'm not going to talk about the people to you that I'm living with. Cause then I'm not gonna have a place to, to lay my head. So I think actually providing like an actual safe haven or a a place of resource, like a a home or a place that is just for women that have that that you can tell have been through some type of trauma. So, um, so linking you to resources, you're saying that's, that helps. Don't link us to resources. Like we are, we being in that situation, we get linked to resources all the time. Uh Like we need a, how can I put this? Like a specialist in that in that field to physically be with us until we get to the home that you guys can create for us like we like we need to know that if we start talking to you we're not just talking to you just for you to pass us on to somebody else like we because we need the consistency because at that point we're used to somebody coming and going coming and going because of what how they work with us they, they yell at us one minute, then they're trying to love on us the next minute. They yell at us one minute, then love on us the next minute. So if you're not showing consistency in the fact that you're going to be there, even after we tell you what happened, what's the point in even telling our story? Because we know it, like the minute you're gone, the minute you leave, like anything can happen to us. You, It has to be a consistency. And the one person that decides they want to go into that room and be there for that victim and, and, op- and have that victim open up, you're stuck with that person until you get that person to a place of safeness, until you get that person to a place where you can start helping them process everything and be informed. Like, I don't, I think that more nurses or more people that are on those type of teams, they need to take actual seminars on what predators are, are like, what it's like to be groomed. Like we, they need to be informed to be trying to work with victims like that. Well, listen, Charlene, thank you so much. This has been incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was Charlene Robertson, AKA Sprout, helping us understand her experiences as a victim of sex trafficking, and more importantly, offering constructive and concrete advice for healthcare providers and healthcare teams to recognize the signs and symptoms of sex trafficking. Thanks for listening to the Grapevine Health Podcast. Our producer is Nicholas Elias. Please like us on social media. You can find us at Grapevine Health on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Health Grapevine. Until next time, I'm Dr. Lisa, signing off.